Welcome to the Small Business Show. We created a platform to have candid and in-depth conversations with entrepreneur and business professional we find fascinating. Learn the tips and tricks for marketing, running, and growing a small business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. My name is Wyatt, the promo guy. Welcome uh, to the show. Everyone, have a happy new year. Uh, today, my guest is Dr. Ilya Gregorez. He's the founder and president of Happiness Center, an organization of world-leading experts in the field of positive psychology. Dr. Ilya is author for the best-selling Amazon book, Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness. He also recently co-authored the highly acclaimed and quite timely book, Seven Keys to Navigate a Crisis. Happy New Year, Dr. Ilya. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, so I wanted to ask you a question, and obviously we're still kind of stuck in a crisis. And uh, can you please tell us a little bit bio about yourself and then uh, a little bit about your uh, latest book, uh, Seven Keys to Navigating a Crisis? Sure. I'm Dr. Ilya Gregoris. I'm a happiness and corporate wellness expert, uh, obviously number one best-selling author and uh, international keynote speaker. I have an opportunity to travel around the world and to uh, speak on wellness and happiness. And, uh, you know, I, I start every single talk with the same question to the audience. I ask him, if you were to ask any parent of any nationality, any ethnicity or religious background uh, or socioeconomic status or, you know, gender, uh, sexual orientation, whatever, any parent around the world, what would you like for your children? What is the answer to that? And the answer is, I just want them to be happy, you know. And I, I kind of take the mic and I, you know, I, you know, point it towards <laughs> the audience and they go, "Happy!" You know, everybody wants to be happy. But why? The great Greek philosopher Aristotle, twenty five hundred years ago, said this. He said, "Happiness is the whole meaning and purpose of life, the whole end and aim of human existence." Basically, I mean, what a statement, right? I mean, happiness is what it's what this life is really all about. Now, um, the world is facing a multitude of crises. Obviously, we have COVID-19 with over 20 million uh, you know, infected and millions dead. The economies have been devastated as a result of the shutdown and the slowdown and the lockdowns where you have you know, literally hundreds of millions of people unemployed and a billion or two underemployed or feeling financially insecure about how am I going to provide for my family and my loved ones, you know, next week or next month. On top of that, you have the mental health crisis affecting, according to the UN, at least a billion people suffering from anxiety, stress, and depression. Mind you, these are people that did not have pre-existing conditions, meaning that this is a direct result of the pandemic. Between you and I, I think those numbers are way underreported. Because that, that implies that only one out of seven people is really depressed, anxious, or stressed. I think it's seven out of seven. I don't know anybody who has not been impacted by this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the political, social, and racial strife in, in the streets. You know, and, and so you have four major simultaneous crises. Now, I'm not even counting people's personal crises, like maybe going through a separation, a divorce, or having a health issue that's unrelated to the pandemic, right? We're not even counting those. So human beings are very re- resilient. They could handle 
one or two crises at the same time. We've done it before, but they can't really handle four or five happening at the same time and really with no end in sight. Like, when is this going to end? You know, so that's where we're at right now as a humanity. And uh, it, it's, you know, 2020 was a really tough year. 2021, I believe, will be better, but we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, you know, the post-holiday, there'll be a post-holiday surge in the month of January and February. But with the vaccines coming out, uh, I think by March and hopefully every month after that, we'll start seeing a decrease and and returning to what I like to call the next normal, because we're not going back to the old normal. That's not going to happen, but the next normal, which implies that flexibility is really important. We can talk about that. That's one of the seven keys to navigating a crisis. You know, the importance of resilience and flexibility to, to make it through uh, this very difficult time. Okay. Since uh, we want to dive deeper into it, you know, you mentioned that there are four uh, different personality types dealing with crisis. Can you name the four and how they're reacting to it? Oh, Absolutely. So if, during any crisis, this isn't just about the pandemic. It could be a health crisis, a financial crisis, a relationship crisis. I mean, you name it, right? And this is also true for companies as well. So there are four types of reactions, if you will, to a crisis. The, the first one we like to call the victim. Now, the victim is like, why is this happening to me? Like, poor me, right? As if it's only mm-hmm. happening to them. Never mind that it's happened to 7 billion other people. So it's just poor me. They get down. They get depressed. So that's the victim. The, the second uh, personality type, we, we like to call the critic. Now, the critic, no matter what the state, federal, or local government says, or the World Health Organization, <clears throat> or the United Nations, basically, they criticize everything. For example, Swire, you should wear a mask when you go outside. Well, that's stupid. Okay, Swire, never wear a mask when you go outside. What are you trying to do, kill me? <laughs> no matter what happens, they, they just criticize everything. Mm-hmm. Then you have the third type, which we call the bystander. Now, the bystander is a good person, mind you, but they are basically the, the deer with the headlights look. They're frozen in fear. They, they just don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed by all the different changes that are taking place. And, you know, they might look to their neighbors. They might look to the left and to the right, but they don't know what to do. And what all three of these personality types have in common is this. None of them take a positive step towards a solution. They don't move the needle towards, you know, a a positive outcome. So basically they do nothing. Now we get to the fourth personality type, which we call the navigator, which of course was the basis of our book, Seven Keys Navigating a Crisis. And what does the navigator do? Um, The navigator, first of all, begins with a positive attitude, meaning that this too shall pass. I know humanity is down on one knee and we're getting our butts kicked. There's no question about that. But we will overcome this. We're not going to cease to exist as a humanity. You know, the vaccines are coming. Drugs are here. It will get better. Yes, it's been very hard. And it's impacted, you know, billions of people. But we will get better. So they start, navigators start off with a positive attitude. Then they practice self-care, which to me is crucial. And, and why is self-care crucial? Because the, the higher the stress level the more self-care you need to practice, meaning how well you will take care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And and for the book, I created what what I call a personal health assessment, which is literally 20 20 questions, but it takes you two minutes to take. 
but it would gives you an idea of how well you're doing or maybe not doing so well in different areas of your life. So there are five questions for your physical health and then five for your mental, five for your emotional and five your spiritual health. And at the end, you'll get an overall score that kind of gives you, you know, how am I really doing today? Like right now, how am I doing in these different areas? And what you'll discover is that maybe in some areas, maybe physically you're doing okay, but really struggling mentally and emotionally. Or maybe mentally you're sharp, but you've really, really neglected yourself physically or spiritually. So, and then you can take action based on that. Um, the one thing that I want to make sure that the audience understands very clearly is that those four personality types exist within each human being. And that's kind of my clinical psychology had. I used to be a clinical psychologist the first half of my career. So it's not like one person is born a victim or the other one is a critic or the other one is the navigator. All, all of us have all four of those personality types. And let's, let me give you a specific example. When the pandemic hit back in March of 2020, all my speaking engagements around the world got canceled in one week. Like I got one email after the next. I was supposed to speak in Barcelona in October. The conference happened, but I ended up doing it here on, on Zoom. Not the same as being in Barcelona, actually, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I had the bystander look like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Like, and, and I and I kind of felt like a victim. Like, why is this happening to me? I was so looking forward to traveling the world. I was supposed to go to India, Spain, Europe, you know, not, gone. And have I been critical of the government and the way that it's handled the crisis? And this is not a political statement. I'm just, you know, yes, I have. And I believe rightly so. However, if I stayed in a critic mode for, for two months and I was criticizing, you know, left and right, I'm robbing myself of my own personal happiness. If I felt like a victim and I got depressed and I'm like, poor me, you know, I can't speak anywhere and all that stuff. Again, who am I hurting? Myself. So if you're going to be the victim or the critic or the bystander, do it for like an hour or two. Like, like no, seriously, get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be poor me, like, be poor me. Have the violins play. Just feel sorry for it. Get out of your system and then pivot and become a navigator. Because when I realized that all the speaking engagements left, I pivoted and I had this very strong impression that I needed to write a book about the pandemic and I felt that it was March 15th, to be exact. And I'm like, beware the, the Ides of March, like Julius Caesar said, you know, Shakespeare, that's a symbolic day. I got the message. I called my partner, Constantinos Apostolopoulos. How's that for a great Greek name? And I'm like, brother, I'm going to start writing about the pandemic tomorrow. Are you in or are you out? And he says, I'm in. And, I, and the message that I got was, we need to get this out in 45 days. Now, to put this in perspective, my first book that became the number one bestseller took me three years to write. So getting a book out in 45 days is not easy, but we were able to do it because we did nothing else. For, I had nothing to do, basically. I could have sat home and looked at the four ceilings, right? Uh, you know, the four uh, the walls in, in my room and felt sorry for myself, but I navigated. And as a result of that, we got the book out in May and, you know, it's blessed you know, so many lives, it's been very critically acclaimed. You know, initially we wrote it for individuals, which is very interesting, like to, to try and help as many people as we can. Because I, I could tell there's a mental health tsunami coming, basically. But what happened by the middle of June, you know, when the economy first started to open up after the original lockdown, mm-hmm. companies and businesses and organizations started reaching out to us and saying, Dr. Ilya, we need your help. 
we don't know what to do with our employees. And what they meant by that is our employees are scared. A lot of them don't want to come back to work physically. They're depressed, they're anxious, they're stressed about their families, and we don't know how to help them. So what it originally be, be, was written a book for individuals became a book for corporations. And the first company that actually reached out to me was Bank of America, believe it or not, from New York. And they said, can you just do like a, obviously online presentation, I couldn't fly to New York and do it live. Basically, how to navigate a crisis while maintaining employee engagement and effectiveness and productivity and happiness. So I did that for about a thousand people that registered. They, it was so impactful that they send it out to all 200,000 B of A employees throughout the United States after that. And they gave me a wonderful testimonial that's on my website. I mean, you can see it if you want to. I mean, this lady that invited me, she goes, man, this was fantastic because people, the the biggest issue among businesses and organizations right now is the number one challenge. There are other challenges. The number one challenge is um, how to uh, ensure employee physical and mental well-being. Mm. Now, between you and I, in the old days, that wouldn't even make the top 10 from an HR perspective, right? Right now, it's the number one thing. How do we ensure the physical and mental well-being of our employees? And the number two challenge, of course, is, you know, how to maintain employee effectiveness, productivity, um, you know, engagement. Well, guess what? You can't get number two right unless you ensure number one. Yeah. And yeah. Which is a very unique challenge right now. So basically, this is what you know. My my partner and I have been doing since June, helping companies, businesses, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurs who may have maybe five or ten employees, and who you know, how do we make, how do we keep the doors open, and how do we, because you know how many small businesses have gone out of business, in the United States alone, we have one hundred ten thousand. Uh, it's probably more now. Restaurants that have shut down forever. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And 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 tens of thousands of other businesses that have that have shut down. So for the ones that are still trying to make it and make it through this difficult year, they need their employees to be healthy, right? Physically healthy, I mean. They need them to be mentally sharp and focused so they can be productive and engaged. So that that's a big challenge facing uh, organizations right now. Yeah, I love your example that you gave about yourself and then these are the criteria resiliency flexibility and adaptability so you actually mentioned it in yourself you felt bad for yourself but then you figure out uh, being flexible with yourself what am I going to do and then you're able to adapt using the the online format then you can go to five different locations around the world in a day right now if you want to so you know for businesses you know if you can use those are uh, uh, very impactful uh, what it ask you uh, if you don't mind to dive deeper, you know, to link self-care and also all this criteria uh, in terms of a small business owner and uh, his or her employees, how would they manage self-care for, for themselves and how do, would they uh, you know, suggest self-care for their employees? Yeah, and, and I would actually, and I can make this available to you and your listeners, you send you the PDF for the uh, personal health assessment. That gives you an idea of where you're at because it's like going to the doctor. If you don't know, you have to do a diagnosis first. You know, where am I hurting, right? Where mm-hmm. am I doing well and where am I? Ch- where do I have my challenges? And then address that. I'll give you a very simple example in terms of physical self-care. Before the pandemic, I used to walk like three three times a week. 
for like an hour, for three miles, mostly because I have, I'm getting older, I got gray hair, I'm like, I need to move. But as my own stress level increased, guess what? I had to switch. And now I walk every single day, seven days a week for an hour. My, so my self-care has doubled since before the pandemic. Now I do it because I want to do it because I can see how much better it makes me feel. It's good to be outside. It's not just the, the, the miles that I'm walking. It's being outside, the blue skies, listening to the birds, meditating when I walk or talking to God or whatever. I mean, whatever you do, I don't always take my phone with me. I, I would say 50% of the time I'm on the phone talking to clients. The other 50%, I leave it at home and then I, you know, I get centered. I mean, that's my way of connecting to nature, which does what? It reduces our stress levels. You know, it increases our optimism and our positivity by being outside. So that's like one small adjustment, right? In my daily life, I've been doing it since April. And I'm telling you, I feel so much healthier and so much better just by doing that. I sleep better at night as a result of that. Um, I am able to manage my weight fairly well. And I'm hoping that once the pandemic passes, that this habit that I've established stays on for the rest of my life. Mm. That's how impactful it has been. So when we talk about self-care, we're not talking about reinventing, you know, the wheel or changing your whole personality. I'm asking you and your and your listeners to pick one or two things and do them consistently. That's the key. Because whatever you do today, if you do it for the next 365 days, you're going to be in a completely different place than you are right now. Even if you make a one or two percent change in your life. Um so, and again, depending on what the results are from the uh, from the personal health assessment, you know, we can talk about that some more. Now, why is this important for employees? Very simply, because you have to practice what you preach, right? Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear a word you're saying. So as a leader, you need to walk the talk. Your, your employees, here's the, the reason why. Because happy employees, number one, tend to be physically healthier. So you have that thing. Mm -hmm. In other words, they don't take time off from work because they're always sick or always going to the doctor and so on. Number two, they're more creative. They're more innovative. They're better teammates. People say, well, why do you say that? Why are they better teammates? Because if my batteries are full, it's very easy for me to help somebody else. If I'm empty, I'm not helping anybody. So therefore, I'm not a good teammate. So they're more innovative. They're more creative better, you know, greater retention, less turnover, and all those things lead to increased productivity and effectiveness, which of course leads to increased profitability for your business. So there's, there's a direct line to that. Now, the question is, how, did you, how do you, your employees know that you care about them? So I talk with a lot of senior uh, HR directors for Fortune 100 companies, I mean, big companies too. And I'm like, listen, and a lot of their employees are still working from home, by the way. So they're, mm -hmm. they're not physically in the, in, at work. I said, first of all, not only reach out to them on a weekly basis, but when you do, don't ask them how they're doing. If you say, how are you doing? Everybody's going to tell you, I'm doing fine. Right. That's not the truth, however. Mm -hmm. Say, the door is closed. It's just between you and I. Lean into your camera and say, how are you really doing? How is your family? How are your kids? Um, is there anything that I can do personally or we as a company or guys can do for you? In other words, as a leader, you have to step up more 
and you have to be genuine and authentic in your care. I, I'm talking about practicing increased emotional intelligence here. And one more thing, you have to be also real and transparent with your employees. What does that look like? You have to say, you know what? I'm kind of struggling too. This has been really hard on my family as well. We have kids. They haven't been to school for nine months. It's stressful on my wife. It's stressful to me. I've been kind of depressed too at times. Like you have to be real and transparent basically to say, we're all in this together. This isn't just affecting you and I'm everything is fine with me, but not you. Leaders have to be that way consistently with their employees. And if they do, then you have this bond and you feel like, you know, we're all connected. We're all united in this. And therefore we will overcome this together and you'll have a whole different outcome. Remember all of this leads to increased productivity and profitability for your company, but you're not doing it just for that. You're doing it because you truly care for, I've had leaders that say, I don't want to lay off anybody. Mm -hmm. You guys are all my family. So the reason why I'm asking you to work 12 and 14 hours is not because we just want to make more money. It's because I don't want to lay anybody off. And if we don't hit the number by the end of the month, I may have to lay off 25% of my workforce. I don't want to do that. You have to tie in that, like, humanity has to come first. So put your human face forward first uh, before you ask them anything else. If you do that, you'll have a lot of success in your organization. I promise you that. I guarantee it. Yeah, because I, I've been reading from the news, there are obviously mega companies that are putting people to work. They work themselves you know, really badly. And then, you know, negative press happened. But then I also hear a lot of good story for smaller, sometimes big company too. They're able to connect with their employees. You know, they find a solution. They're able to pivot together. You know, like you said, you know, they understand uh, it's difficult to work from home, you know, with kids running around and then, you know, your spouse screaming and you're really stressed. So I think by practicing what you suggest is self-care, even, you know, now you don't have to drive to work. There's no traffic. You know, pretend that you go into work and you walk for an hour, come back and you do work and maybe split up to uh, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night yep. with your family. So hey, that I would be... That. I split it 30 minutes sometimes. Maybe that an hour, maybe it's not available always, but I can split it two 30-minute walks dur during the day between appointments and between meetings um, or spending time with the family because, you know, what has well, this... Go with them. Go walk with them. Yeah, what, what the pandemic has really taught us is don't take anything for granted. Like, do not procrastinate your happiness. None of us are guaranteed we'll be here next year or even next month, honestly. So spend time with people that you love and love you. Quality time. It's not just quantity. It's the quality time you spend together with them. And enjoy the benefits of being at home. I know it's hard. Uh, working from home sometimes. I mean, I work from home. I get it. I understand. Um, but again, like you said, less traffic. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to change in the workforce going forward. Mm -hmm. um, I, I predict a lot more hybrid. In other words, where people maybe go to work two or three days a week and the other times they work from home. I see that uh, a lot of big companies are thinking about doing that. Like, Yeah, they're all remote now, so they don't have to rent like high-price office. Which brings me to the next question. You know, you gave a lot of good example. And then, you know, this is taken from you. Happiness and kindness are the key to success. How would you suggest that we find happiness and, you know, to do kindness to others? 
Right. You know, that's a great question. And I, I'm the co-host of, a, uh, of the Kindness and Happiness Connection podcast. So this is my, my expertise. Uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you this, that in both books, in The Seven Paths to Lasting Happiness, the last path is kindness and being of service. The same thing with the you know, seven uh, keys to navigating a crisis. So we start with self-care, but we end with kindness. Why is that? First of all, happy people, because their batteries are full, like I said before, perform acts of kindness and acts of service on their own. Why? Because they have it inside of them. On the flip side, when people perform acts of kindness, something happens to them innately on the inside that makes them happy. So that's why I say that happiness and kindness are like interconnected. You can't have one without the other. Now, how do you do kindness in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all this crisis? And believe it or not, uh, Swar, I've had people that have pushed back on me. I'm like, Dr. Ilya, are you serious? I'm drowning here myself. You're asking me to go out and help somebody else? I need help. <clears throat> and, the, and, and this is a quote. Like, what am I, my brother's keeper? So I kind of push back. I'm like, no, you're not your brother's keeper. You're your mother's keeper and your sister's keeper and your neighbor's keeper and the homeless person down the street or somebody that lives 10,000 miles away. Because in the end, we're all brothers and sisters and we're all united. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I promise you, you're better off than somebody else in your neighborhood or your mm-hmm. extended family or somewhere in this world. So people say, well, okay, that sounds great, but how can I do that? I can't even visit anybody. So the way that we do that, if you get a prompting, you know, the, se- the second key-, key to navigating a crisis is be aware. Be aware of that still small voice inside of us, whether you call it intuition or your inner wisdom or, you know, if, you- if you're a spiritual person, you can call it the spirit or the connection to the divine. I don't care what you call it, but that voice is real and is powerful. So if you get a prompting, you know what? I need to reach out to my friend Swire. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Get on a phone call, text, call, get on a Zoom call and say, hey, man, how are you doing today? Like, seriously, what is the worst thing that somebody will tell you back? Actually, I'm doing great. Why why the heck are you calling me? Which they're not going to (laughs) say. More likely than not, if you get that prompting, it's because there's a reason for it. And that person is going to say, well, Ely, it's kind of funny that you called tonight because I've been kind of struggling, you know, and thanks for thinking of me. So listen to that voice, trust it, and then act upon it. And that's, that, to me, that is an act of kindness. Uh, if we can't physically visit uh, somebody else, then we can do it. There's so many means to do it. Like, just like you said, we can reach the five continents. I've spoken more to more people this year than I ever have in my entire life, and I travel the world because I've done it through here. So we have more access to do more good to more people than we've ever had before. And in some ways, that's kind of one of the blessings in disguise, I think, you know, that have come out of the pandemic. Yeah, Dr. Ilya, I'm so glad that, you know, we're able to do this, you know, the first working day of the year. You know, you you motivate us to, uh, you know, continue a better path and stay happy and kind and uh, 2021. So if the viewer and listener wanted to get in touch with you, and I'm going to put your uh, questions on the show notes here, what would be the best way to reach out to you? I think on LinkedIn, uh, you know, Elia Gregoris, PhD, the happiness doctor, that's the best way to reach out to me. Please connect with me. I love connecting with people and uh, let me know that uh, you saw the 
small business show with uh, Swire. It's my first podcast of the year, one of many. I usually do like two or three of these a week. But you're you're number one, man. For the rest <laughs> of the you year, so you're number one. So thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. It's good to have you. Thank you so much, and um, you know, hope uh, we'll check in and at a better, uh, you know, when we get through the crisis. I'd love to have you back on again. Thank you, Doctor Elio. We will get through the crisis. I want people to leave this me- with a, the positive message that we will overcome this, and there are lots of good lessons learned, and if we can apply those lessons to the new year, I think 2021 can honestly be one of the best years of our lives uh, because 2020 was so rough. So the lower you are, the more gap there is for us to have a fantastic year. So I want to wish everyone a healthy and a happy new year. Thank you so much. And then um, we'll we'll talk to you again, Dr. Elliot. All right. Take care. You too. You bet.